thank you again to everyone who carved out the time to attend today uh, in person and for whoever couldn't make it in person then welcome to anyone joining online we ask Allah to accept our intentions and our efforts and we ask Allah to overlook any of our shortcomings generally speaking uh, welcome back to week two for the Heart Therapy Halaqa. Uh, so last week we went through uh, two pages and change from the beginning of the book. There are also these notebooks here. If anyone doesn't have one, feel free to pick one up by the uh, the entrance, by the door. Do you, we're out. We're out? Okay. I'll sell you this for 20 bucks. <laughs> If you want, okay. Uh, that's a good sign, though. That means yeah. that people are interested in picking them up, alhamdulillah. So thank you to Noel for putting the effort for that. Thank you to Ahmed for bringing the water and, you know, all the different things going on behind the scenes, especially from each of you. May Allah bless both of you for your time and your efforts. Amin Rabbil Alameen. We'll go ahead and continue. We're still on Hadith 1. The intention is to uh, navigate this book uh, with the understanding that slow and steady wins the race, so to speak. Uh, it's we're not going to hold ourselves to necessarily covering one hadith per week, and then that way we cover 40 hadith over the course of 40 weeks. Uh, that approach could be fine, but the intention uh, that we have here is to do things a bit differently, to just take our time to go through it uh, in piecemeal, little by little by little, one bite at a time, and Really, the, the main, I think, fruit that all of us can will walk away with from these discussions, inshallah, will be most likely from what other people share in terms of reflections and thoughts related to anything that we, uh, that we read. So I do want to encourage anyone who feels comfortable to go ahead and share any commentary, any reflections that do come to mind. Uh, chances are you will, at some point or another, probably many times over, You'll probably share something that a lot of other people probably never thought of. To you, it may seem very commonplace, uh, like a, a normal thing that that's kind of what you typically think of related to the hadith or ayah, or that's how you typically think regarding that thing. But I've seen it happen time and time again. I think we all have in different halaqas and different discussions that when you share that, other people will benefit, inshallah. So the more we share, of course, depending on whatever uh, you know everyone is comfortable with, then Everybody else will benefit being in that. We'll go ahead and continue from where we uh, where we left off last time. We were at the top of page three. Uh, for whoever has the book, I haven't checked out the PDF yet. I assume it's the same as the book. Sometimes PDFs can be a little bit a little bit different. But in terms of the book, we're at the top of page three. So we'll go ahead and continue from there. We covered the first, I think, two lines uh, last time. So we'll resume after that. The Prophet ﷺ called the heart a bite-sized piece of meat, contrasting its small size with the great power it has. Abu Hurairah who said, The heart is the king and the limbs are its soldiers. So if the king is good, his soldiers will be good. And, it, and if he is evil, his soldiers will be evil. Reported by Al-Bayhaqi in Shu'ab al-Iman. The heart sets the tone for the rest of the body just like the king directs the soldiers under his service. Let's illustrate with another example. Let's think of a security control room with cameras, mics, speakers, and scores of officers and guards. Let's imagine them all protecting a big bank. 
The one behind the controls chooses the movement of the cameras and what they zoom on. The sensitivity of the mics and what they pick up, the instructions broadcasted from the speakers, the movement of the officers, and where the guards are stationed. The safety of the building depends primarily on who is in the control room. In this example, the control room represents our heart. Like the cameras, what our eyes look at is decided by the controls from our heart. What the ears listen to, like the mics, what our tongues say, like the speakers, and what our body parts do, like the officers and guards, are all directed by the heart. If the heart does its job, it's healthy and alert, the rest of our body will do its job well. But if the heart is sick and distracted, the rest of our body will be sick and distracted. So the next time your eyes are looking at something, remember the zoom of the camera and ask yourself, why is the person in my control room i.e. my heart looking at this and what does this say about my control room we can go ahead and pause there briefly does anyone have any thoughts any uh, comments reflections uh, related to that before moving on go ahead yeah you would like to look at what pleases Allah listen to what pleases Allah um, speak in a way that pleases Allah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and these are all different avenues to the heart right so if we use our eyes our ears and our words in ways that are pleasing to Allah then it'll definitely uh, bring us much closer to him and if we use yeah. those same things because they're avenues to the heart right um, so whether they're used for good or for bad it will end up affecting uh, affecting the heart thank you for sharing that okay. does anyone else want to share anything uh, before moving on go ahead um, I like how the heart is being described as a controller because typically we think of the brain mm-hmm. as, you know making all the decisions and whatnot but really it's kind of a dynamic duo in the heart does mm-hmm. have a lot of influence on our decisions. Absolutely. And uh, I think it's really important that you mention that because when you go through the Qur'an, time and time again, Allah refers to the refers to people thinking or not with their hearts. So what you're saying ties in with that exactly. And I think, in, is anyone here familiar with the Calm app? It, it's become a go-to, at least for me, starting in quarantine. And then <laughs> really since then... Uh, it's really cool because every day there's a fresh daily meditation. And if anyone is familiar with this, feel free to, to chime in. Sometimes the the host narrator will mention a term in like Japanese culture or language or in maybe Ayurvedic medicine or something. And I forget what the term was. It was a while ago, but there was a there was a term that referred to in one one of the Eastern cultures or, or languages that referred to thinking with the heart, and it like that one term refers to both the mind and the heart simultaneously. So I thought that was really interesting because in the Quran, Allah mentions you know uh, regarding some people, did they not have ears that they could listen with, or eyes that they could see with, or hearts that they could think with. And the Qur'an repeats that concept over and over and over of thinking with the heart. So uh, it is, I, I think, a little bit different than how we may think of the concept of thinking uh, in uh, Western society, and in, in American society. We often think of thinking being in connection only with the brain, but um, from a Qur'anic, from an Islamic viewpoint, uh, it's... Yes, the brain is definitely included and involved, but the focus seems to be much more so on the heart. So uh, I appreciate that being highlighted. Does anyone else want to highlight anything related to anything that we that we've covered that we've read thus far? Mm-hmm. I want to say it's highlighted. 
exciting, but it's like a question that, is, that kind of popped into my head. Mm-hmm. So Islamically, would, I guess Islamically speaking, would humans be more emotional versus logical? Because if you're, if you're like, your heart is like a controller, and then if you're being logical, like you think, you know, like, oh, okay, no, maybe I shouldn't do this, mm-hmm. because I'm not being added by emotions, does that mean humans are more emotional than logical? That, that, that I don't know. It's a very interesting question, and I, I totally get where you're coming from. I, I don't know, does anyone have any thoughts on, uh, on that in connection with that? Because when we think of emotions, we think of the heart. When we think of, like you mentioned, logic, for example, it's usually associated as like a quantitative process in, in the brain. Go ahead. I was thinking like similar to that, like the like the, the heart isn't necessarily what produces the, the like weighs the options. Like you can think logically without morality. Mm-hmm. The heart is what decides whether something is acceptable to do or not. Not necessarily like you can weigh all your options, you know, without without morality. But then the heart will tell you. Well, the heart will be comfortable with with a certain decision versus. Not and for for no reason other than the heart is com- what is what is the heart comfortable with? There's no logic to it. It's just it's just saying this is good, this is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe maybe something like where it's like emotional, um, but it's I don't know. It's it's interesting because like it, it's 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 connected. Like 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 Salah was saying. It's, it's there's no yeah. You can't you can't have one without the other. I guess mm-hmm. it's a function problem. So the two are definitely connected, but the emphasis, at least from uh, Quran and Sunnah standpoint, does seem to, uh, the emphasis does seem to be more so on the heart. And you mentioned an interesting point that even if someone may think about something logically or quantitatively, it still goes back to your heart. Like your heart has to be content with that decision. It's not just, you know, a mathematical formula or process, which has its time and its place, but there's also like the it it it's it must be mentioned in here somewhere um, in, in this book the 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 statement of the prophet is tafti qalbak right to like even if people are telling you this is okay or that's not okay at the end of the day you have to consult your heart you have to ask your heart for clarification basically um, and what's interesting is when the prophet mentioned that والسلام, he mentioned that in connection again with the with the heart so the the two are the mind and the heart are definitely connected uh but the the heart at least from an islamic standpoint does seem to to carry more weight did you want to share anything i was going to say i think subhanallah i feel like the, the heart is a representation of the soul mm-hmm. i feel like and that's what kind of separates us from animals it's an interesting point that you said that because all animals like do the logical thing they have instincts they, mm-hmm. they kill to eat they protect you know where we have to like we think about it we think we outweigh the pros and the cons we think mm-hmm. about emotions and things like that and I think the heart, not so much the beating heart, but the what it represents as like the soul and, and mm-hmm. those things. I think it does separate humans from animals. And I think it, it it's what makes humans like we have a free will, right? We have like free will as opposed to like animals. So mm-hmm. we are more quote unquote emotional <laughs> mm-hmm. than the animal who is completely working off of like survival mm-hmm. and logic, if you want to call it that. Where it's entirely based off of instinct, and there isn't really this 
roundtable discussion, is this right or wrong? It's just kind of, if there's food, then they go and eat it, and there's that whole uh, that whole system. But that that is interesting. The heart makes the human being different in terms of emotion, also morals and ethics, and all of them tie in with, uh, with the heart. And we typically associate those things, like you said, with the heart, not necessarily uh, the mind. I mean, it, it even sounds a bit weird to think of the concept or the or the the phrase like we hear purification of the soul, purification of the heart, but when you think of the phrase purification of the mind, conceptually it that has its time and its place, but it, it just it doesn't have the same feeling to it. It doesn't have the same uh, like the same vibe or the same the same ring to it like purification of the heart, purification of the soul. And these are these are uh, phrases, these are terms that are mentioned directly in the Qur'an in, uh, in regards to the Prophet Ibrahim in Surah Al-Shu'ara Allah mentions that please come and have a seat um, Allah quotes him at the end of uh, a bit of a longer passage at the tail end of it is when we find the the, the, the words or the phrases on that day, On that day, nothing is going to matter, basically regarding the dunya. The two things specifically mentioned are wealth and children, but those two things are representative of anything and everything else in the dunya from a worldly standpoint. Because in Surah Al-Kaf, Allah says, المال والبنون زينة الحياة الدنيا Allah mentions that the best that this life has to offer, uh, wealth, children, um, but then your good deeds and you know, especially some good deeds are are really you know uh, long lasting, and that's really that should be the main the main focus essentially. So there, the heart is mentioned on that day. You know, whatever worldly uh, thing isn't going to matter. Except for the one who except for the one who comes to Allah with a sound heart. So that that the heart is specifically mentioned. And then you have in in Surah Shams, for example, Allah mentions in direct connection with the soul. For whoever purifies it, they're definitely successful. And for whoever pollutes it, they're definitely um, you know going to fail. And we ask Allah to protect us from that. So both the the heart and the soul are mentioned, um, but not not necessarily. The mind is mentioned, you know, in uh, in the Quran, but it doesn't really have the same uh, the same emphasis. So it is interesting just to notice the different terms that are used uh, in the book, also in in the Quran and different hadith from the Prophet Any other thoughts before before moving on? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So, it, like the idea of consulting your heart regarding a decision, and then, what if I don't want to? <laughs> or, or what if I consulted my heart and it was saying go left, but even then it's like, no, I, I know that's not going to be good for me regarding dunya and akhirah, especially akhirah. So, that's a good question. I want to ask: Does anyone else have any have any thoughts in connection with that? Like, what if? How did you put it? What if? What if you can't trust your heart? I think that's a very real question and comment. Thank you for sharing. Do you want to? Yeah, so um, 
I feel like the best way to approach it is kind of think of like, maybe it doesn't sound good, but like logic versus emotions, like think with the brain first and kind of just kind of ignore your emotions for a second and just don't <laughs> consult it until you, you know, logically, okay, does this make sense? Does this not make sense? Mm-hmm. And then from there, you can see how you feel. But if it's like both, like you're trying to feel both at the same time, you're trying to think about it, but you're feeling it at the same time, it's like a clash, like, you know? So I feel like if you just think about it really, you know, like just focus on it, think about it really tough, really hard, really long, and then be like, okay, this makes sense. Maybe, you know, how do I feel about this? But then obviously, you know, like, okay, this is the thing that makes sense. Like, this is what I should be doing. This is what Mm -hmm. I have to do. How you feel about it, you might feel the other way, but you've already convinced yourself because, like, you told yourself, like, oh, no, this is the right thing or the wrong thing. So, yeah. So it kind of, just to contextualize things a little bit more, it's like if the heart is the president and the mind is the vice president, so... If the heart's cloudy, <laughs> or, or if they're sick, <laughs> for example, then there's like this backup, I guess, I guess hard drive or option to kind of, for for like maybe for that uh, duration of time. It's it's interesting. It's an interesting uh, discussion. One example that comes to mind is um, like if if someone it's a classic example. Let's say someone they have their 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 mind made up or their heart made up I'm, I'm using them interchangeably now in terms of like a certain big decision in their life it could be related to going to a certain school it could be related to um you know even if their parents don't want them to go and all the signs clearly they prayed istikhara and all the signs are clearly showing them even though yes on paper that is let's say they got into a couple different schools and one of them is academically or for whatever their major is, for example, is clearly like the name pops more or it has a better reputation or whatever. But what if Allah has shown them like rapidly like a hundred different signs where it's like, no, that is not the direction you want to go in. But then what if there, it's not easy. What if there's something within that person that's kind of like, it's kind of like their their gut is telling them, Allah is showing you that is not good for you. And you know that you should go to this other option, right? And let's say there are a hundred signs not to go there and a hundred other signs that are indicating to go somewhere else. It's it's really difficult. And that's where, and it came up last week, it can help to yeah. consult someone. Your audio is muted on my stream. Is it? How about now? I mean, I had the, the speaker. I don't see the mic thing moving. Where? The mic. This thing? Okay, the mic volume. Else is saying it's working. I think it's now it's working? Oh, it's just, it's it's just, just Nana. Nana. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so it was. Do I need to adjust anything? No, no, Okay. <laughs> We've all been that person. It's all good. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Okay. So it is going okay. Okay, because I kept getting these random uh, notifications, so I, had, I hit mute, but that shouldn't affect the. So it's still working? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so if someone is, if it's clear that there are these signs, okay, don't, it could be related to school, it could be related to work, it could be related to marriage, what a, buying a house, whatever, right? There could be some major decision 
and like up here or on paper, it looks like that that's what I want. I really want that to work, but then sometimes Allah shows you that that's not the direction that you should be going in, and you should be clearly going in a different direction. That's really tough, right? But that's where, like it came up last week, where it's it's really helpful to have another person who you trust, who you can consult, who you can talk to, and to get their input, right? So if, for example, if I hit a wall, and if there's, and it again, this is easier said than done, but if it's, it's kind of like you're trying to force it, you really want something to go in a certain direction so bad, and it's something that someone has wanted their whole life to get into a certain program, a certain school, and they've been accepted uh, to that program as well as a couple others, just to, to go with the school example. Um, but if something within them, especially after praying istikhara, and Allah has just showed them so many times, like, this is not the way to go, it's still going to, even if they know that's what Allah is showing them, it's still going to be extremely difficult to pull away, especially if they've had so much time and effort invested in that specific goal. Even if they can read the signs clearly, for example, that Allah is showing me not to go there, instead to go in a different direction, it's still going to be hard. So that's where it helps to have the right company, to have you know good friends, and to, to consult another person and to ask them like, hey, what are your thoughts? This is where I'm coming from. I really want to go in that direction, but I really feel like Allah is, you know, showing me not to. And and these are the different things that seem to be so clear to me. And these other things to go in a different direction, those also seem clear, but I, I need your advice. Getting that validation from someone else is extremely helpful, especially if, again, if, if you can trust that person if they're you know a trustworthy person uh which is chances are that's going to be the case anyways otherwise you wouldn't go to them with such a, a massive thing that really helps to kind of navigate that cloudiness especially when i think we've all been there at some point or another where you have your sights set on something and allah shows you no and it's kind of like wait but like i want it to be yes and allah says no i want it to it's not going to happen uh, and that's where it helps to have other people around you to kind of to, to navigate that. Go ahead. Well, what if it wasn't a situation in which it was so clear cut that you were choosing between A and B? Mm-hmm. What if you were just generally like hitting blocks upon blocks and felt really stuck and trying to figure out where to go, but not able to trust your heart because you're feeling really overwhelmed? That's a really good question. Do you want to do you want to fill in any uh, more information, or do you want to keep it general? I'm not asking for anything anything personal. Obviously, I'm just like, do you want to share any details in terms of an example you're thinking of, or do you just want to kind of leave it at that? Well, what if you're just feeling overwhelmed and it's just hard? To process things, it's hard to yeah, make I any decision. Back to kind of the conversation we started to have last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I'm just struck. So, for context, I am a psychologist, mm-hmm. um, and so I I under like emotions are my jam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I, she's very good. <laughs> um, and. I 
I think they're wonderful and great, but I think sometimes <coughs> it gets really hard. Mm-hmm. It gets really hard to lead with your heart. And I do think that the mind is really important to kind of assess its decisions and figure things out and then go back to it. But how do you regain that trust in your heart if it feels like you just keep hitting wall after wall and you keep feeling like you're listening to yourself and it doesn't work? There's so much depth to what you're asking, especially because you included the fact that you're a psychologist, which it just, it adds, it makes it so much more rich, mashallah. I, I thank you for, for posing such a, uh, I think, such a profound question. Did you want to share anything? Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, like as far as trusting your heart, that is a rhetorical question. That life can go any which of a million ways, right? So maybe what I do, well, excuse me, what helps me is that uh, I try to, uh, like, I figure, like, the better relationship I have with Allah, with Allah the better all my decisions are going to be. When I do get overwhelmed with things, I try to take a second and pause and thank Allah for just for being overwhelmed, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, it's a lot of people that have had way more intense struggles than I have. Now, that's easier said than done when you're going through it. So, it's like, I figure the more time I wrote to a lot, and Whatever that means for as far as you're concerned, but for me it's like, because uh, I'm wayward all the time, like 24-7, I got to check myself. So it's like, even in, even, even, whatever I'm doing, I'll try to keep talking, no matter what I'm doing. So, that way if I die, in whatever state it's like, inshallah, that's the state I die. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Sorry, if that didn't help at all. But. The the value of taqwa, right? The importance of taqwa, and and I think what you mentioned, especially in connection with the reality of death and reflecting on that, really ties in significantly with taqwa, right? Especially from a Quranic standpoint, when Allah says, uh, like, have taqwa. And look at what you've prepared for tomorrow, referring to the Day of Judgment, and have taqwa of Allah. Allah is aware of, of what you do. So before the reference to look at what you've prepared for tomorrow, before that Allah mentions taqwa, after that Allah mentions taqwa. So there's a significant reminder within that, for me, for us, that when it comes to preparing for that day, my preparation for that day directly ties in with my understanding of death and reflecting on death, not from a negative or, or morbid standpoint, but just from a, a a human, you know, basic standpoint that we're here for a limited number of days. So what am I preparing for when I do meet Allah? And what what is my state, the state of my heart? Because the Prophet, he pointed to his chest Three times, he said, that taqwa is here, and he pointed to his chest, meaning his heart, three times. So the roots of taqwa 
are in the heart of the person. And when 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 taqwa really takes root in the heart of the individual, then what's supposed to happen, like the example in Surah Ibrahim, is the branches, they should be high in the sky, there should be fruit given year-round, the roots, they should be deep and, and, and solid and firm and, and strong. And that example that's given in, in that surah is a metaphor for la ilaha illallah. Right? So, la ilaha illallah, taqwa, of course, the, the two are, are synonymous. So when a person really has that in their heart, then over time, is it, no one is saying any of this is an overnight process, right? It takes a long, <laughs> a long, 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 long time. But the, the concept is over time, if we continue watering those seeds, then the, the roots will get deeper and the branches will get higher and the fruit will get sweeter and more fruit will be given, you know, every year, inshallah. But it, it starts with planting those seeds of taqwa internally in our hearts and then watering them little by little by little. And I think what you mentioned about, about death is extremely significant because if a person really reflects on that, then it becomes a really, really powerful motivator. Like, if anyone here has, has ever, you know, may Allah protect everyone and, and their loved ones, but if anyone has lost a loved one, or if you know someone who's lost a loved one, the 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 effect that it has ties in so much with the hereafter, with the afterlife, with the akhirah. Uh, because it, it, it really makes a person take a step back and think how weak and feeble we really are. Right? And what am I... If, if my time were to come now, what have I prepared up until this point? How is my heart? It, is my heart ready to meet Allah? Is my soul ready to meet Allah? And like, I, I think what you mentioned about 24-7 is like as real as it gets, right? I, that, that's the case for sure for, for any and all of us. But if we can at least constantly try, let me try to connect this situation with Allah. Let me try to... To reflect on whatever this thing is, whether it's related to the eyes, the ears, words, the company that you keep, money coming in, money going out. All of those decisions, when a person reflects on taqwa, when they reflect on Allah, when they reflect on death, then all of a sudden things look different, things feel different. You you start to, to approach things in a very different way. All of a sudden... Things related. I, I think there's a. I was thinking about this earlier. I think there's such a powerful uh, reminder that that we can all take when we look at our elders, because if they've lived an entire lifetime, and it's very common that you find a lot of people in masajid to be elders. The the the, the takeaway that I reflect on from that is they've lived an entire lifetime. All kinds of ups and downs and, you know, been around the block many, many times. And the one place that they have made it a point to stay connected to a lot of the time is the masjid. So I, I just find almost like, yeah, all that other stuff, I've tried it, you know, yeah, that it's fine, whatever else, uh, whatever it may be. But there's something unique about connecting with the house of Allah. There's something special about reading Quran, about connecting with the Quran. There's something different about learning more about the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ. All of that ties in with preparation for uh, for tomorrow, for the hereafter. Go ahead. I'm going to add on to that. Uh, my grandfather goes to the masjid often. He goes five times a day. Mm-hmm. MashaAllah. And so, and it's common not, not just in your grandfather, but in 
many of our respected elders that they care so much about the masjid and it's kind of like subhanallah you know they, they must have it's like the, it's almost like they see something that we don't see right it's like they 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 they've gotten to this point of understanding and realization that out of all the different places this place is different and this place is really going to help propel me uh, to come closer to Allah as it relates to uh, you know, for whenever that that time comes, um, you know, to to meet him essentially. So I think that was a very real uh, reflection, Zakhlukhir, for that. And in terms of what what you're sharing, uh, are are you saying it more from a standpoint of like emotional fatigue, from like heart exhaustion? Hey, real quick, like, Go ahead. Uh, in reflection upon reflection, I make bad decisions all the time. <clears throat> And then you know how like you see uh in hindsight you'd be like, Man, I could have did this. You feel me? Yeah. That's what I thought would be like. You know mm-hmm. what I'm mean? mm-hmm. Like, love it. it was a reason I did that. Mm-hmm. Even though it felt like oh my pockets would have been way more you know what I'm saying? If I mm-hmm. or work would have been way lighter or anything. It's just like it it, it uh it helps from not being overwhelmed for me. That's what I I'm saying that's one of my life, uh, life hacks. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Hindsight is 2020, right? When uh, and and what you're saying is is it's not easy, right? It, it can be easier said than done. If someone, if they have, you know, let's say someone is struggling and they have an opportunity to make a whole lot of money quickly, even in ways they know they shouldn't. That's where the the heart strings, right? There's this internal wrestling match of between between the the the, the nafs and iman of the person, between like the the lower self and and the higher self, essentially of that person. There's this internal tension. There's this back and forth of on one side, the nafs, the lower self is saying, "Go for it. It's a lot of money. You've been through so much. Just just do it." You know, and sometimes the the lower self will like. Twist your deen against you. Just do it now and repent later. <laughs> just do it now. Just just get you know whatever. Get the bag, <laughs> and then use some of it to go for Hajj, <laughs> and then the rest of it take some and invest it. Donate to a masjid. You'll be okay. They're always asking for money <laughs> in every masjid. So like then, shaitan is good at what he does, right? And the nafs is good at what it does, where it's like. It'll it'll like try to rationalize it even from a standpoint of of deen, right? But then there's that the higher self, right? There's the your heart, there's your iman that's saying something just doesn't feel right. And I know even if I do that, I'm not gonna be able to sleep well that night. I know there are gonna be these negative repercussions or consequences. Um, you know, how is that decision gonna go and affect these other people? You know, am I really okay with that? No one is saying it's easy. That's extremely difficult, especially if someone is struggling and then there's this like opportunity. And it, it's kind of like in, um, was it, what is it, in uh, Surah Al-A'raf when Bani Israel, like the whole test of the Sabbath, accept, like that was not an easy thing. It's similar to what you're saying, where Allah had commanded them, don't, basically, Saturday, Sabbath, you know, you shouldn't fish. You, like there are certain things that need to be respected about that one day per week. And within the surah, it mentions that the on that day they're not allowed to fish, 
right? What, one of other things. And then all of a sudden you have the most amazing fish. Just <laughs> They show up on that day specifically as if those fish are looking at them like, <laughs> you know, look, look at me now, right? And it's like that's part of the test where the one day when you're not supposed to do that and then there's that opportunity right there like where it's even easier than than usual, but that's part of the challenge, right? So then, I mean, within that story, you had some people who thought, okay, so we're going to outsmart God, so to speak. So we're going to put nets on Friday, and then we're going to let those... We're not doing anything on Saturday. We're going to let those nets catch the fish, and then we're going to go on Sunday, and we're going to collect them, and we're respecting that day, the sacred rites, but we're going to get these amazing fish, so everything is going to work out. So there was that. That was one group. They had that idea. Then another group tried talking to them and, you know, reasoning with them. And then a third group asked the second group. I think I'm losing everyone here. Um, so there was there. So group A, they were going there like, hey, let's set up these fish nets. Let's try to outsmart God. Group A. And then group B was like, all right, we need to go talk to group A. And be like, hey, guys, you shouldn't do that. And then group C went to group B and was like, why are you even bothering talking to them? Why are you even bothering trying to get through to them? Whatever, like if, if they do it, then, you know, that's between them and Allah is, is just leave them alone. Uh, you know, why do you even care? And the way that group B responded to group C was at least by, again, with wisdom, with love, with compassion, with not going and like attacking them, but trying to effectively get through to them. Their response was at least when Allah asks us, right? on the Day of Judgment, then at least we have something to say. At least we can say that we tried. Whatever they, they decide to do, that's up to them. But the, the, the part of that story that is similar to, to what you were sharing, that's part of the test at times, right? And it's easier said than done. And, and all of us have different ups and downs. And that's where there's the need for community to have the right people around you. Because <laughs> if someone is left to their own, on their own, Shaitan goes, devours the, the, the isolated Muslim, right? Like the, the wolf goes after the isolated sheep. Um, so the, the importance of community and then relying on other people, consulting other people, then hopefully through that, people can get to um, you know, good decisions and, and good conclusions. Going all the way back to what, to what, you, were, to what you were mentioning, I don't know. I, what you're mentioning is is it, it's just really real. Like, what what if you're overwhelmed, your your heart feels heavy, and there just there isn't that clarity. That's an extremely we've all been there. That's an extremely difficult place to be in. Um, there there are different things that can help. One, depending on the person and depending on the situation, istighfar. Like astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. There are different ways of, of uh, making istighfar. Um, that, like on repeat, can definitely help with clearing that fog. Uh, another dhikr that can definitely help is, is sending salawat upon the Prophet, just on repeat. That can definitely help with clearing things. Um, you know, repeating la ilaha illallah can, can also help, but in, in connection with. Um, it may also depend on on what may be causing that feeling of being overwhelmed. Like if someone has, may Allah protect all of us and, and, and our loved ones, if someone has just 
lost a loved one. And because of that, it's really cloudy in that situation. It would be much more healing to connect with salawat on the Prophet as opposed to istighfar, for example. There's good in both for sure, all the time. But in that specific scenario, if there's that type of pain, then the the specific medicine that would be extra effective and helpful would be a salawat upon the Prophet, right? Uh, sending peace and blessings on the Prophet. That can really, really help in that type of situation. If someone is, you know, struggling with uh, something related, it could be related to addiction, it could be related to, like, it's kind of like there are different adhkar that, that, fit like each niche or niche differently like they're all universal but um istighfar as as a default option is really helpful but if that feeling of being overwhelmed is from a standpoint of emotional pain then salawat would chances are would be more effective even than than istighfar so it kind of depends on where it's coming from and why um but any of those, uh, what and sometimes like whatever the heart just inclines towards. Sometimes the heart just wants more. Subhanallah wa bihamdi. And when you're going through your evening of qad, you just feel like there's something nourishing about this. Let me continue with that a little bit more. For example, um, through these different of so istighfar, salawat on the Prophet, and la ilaha illallah. And these have their, their nuances, but and you can try it out, you know, see which one is 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 the heart inclining more towards, and then to just and no one is saying anything, you know, excessive or or um, anything that's not practical. All this, you know, to be understood within within practical limitations. Meaning, if someone before going to sleep, if they're feeling that sense of feeling overwhelmed, then maybe for a few minutes before going to sleep, they just whatever their heart is inclining towards, let's just say salawat on the Prophet then they may just spend a few minutes just kind of only doing that, just focusing on that on repeat over and over and over. And also noticing how is that affecting their heart? How are they feeling as they're going through those few minutes? No one is saying like 10 hours, but if it's a few minutes, even if someone, depending on the person, someone may be like, hey, I know that the only way that I'm actually going to do that is if I set a timer on my phone or a stopwatch on my phone and I have to see it visually and everyone is different. So if that's if that's what helps, then that's what helps. Um, and through that, a person will definitely uh, benefit whichever one of the uh, afkar they're inclined towards. But that can sometimes within... Within an evening, you know, it can offer, it can result in clarity. Sometimes more time needs to be put in. But generally speaking, those of God will help with uh, clearing things up, inshallah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for mentioning that, by the way. Can I, can I Go ahead. To what the brother said, um, this is how I would approach um, your situation or a similar situation. If I'm not trusting my heart, I would um, first turn to Allah and ask for um, guidance in a way and say, Oh Allah, you know, I don't, I'm not trusting my heart right now. Please give me clarity or whatever um, you know, you're struggling with specifically. And then I would make that intention 
um, and then work towards that intention to um, trust my heart again. So depending on your situation, work towards that um, intention. I think that's where we struggle is working towards that intention. A lot of us make intentions, but we don't work towards it. So it's like, how are you going to get there without really working towards it? Mm-hmm. And that, that just open honesty and transparency with Allah, one of the best advices that uh, I think I've ever received was from Amir Abdul-Malik, I think when I was 17, trying to just reconnect with the basics of Islam on Ramadan. It was like in the middle of Ramadan, there was some youth session or discussion or something with him. And I remember talking to him afterwards, like, okay, during Ramadan, you know, it's it's pretty common for for a lot of people to like make certain changes or adjustments or improvements, and there's all this momentum. How do you keep some of that going after Ramadan? How do you maintain even some of that momentum? It's not going to be the same, but like, what can I do to keep some of that going? And he said, talk to Allah like He's your best friend. Short, sweet, to the point. Someone else had a question, but that has always remained with me. Because that was the first time that light bulb turned on. Like, huh, I never thought about that. Like, I, I never actually considered doing that. Just talking to Allah like He's your best friend. And when I started to approach dua in that way, it could be dua in sajda, it could be dua after prayer, it could be dua when you're driving or whatever, but just doing that was uh, like that open, honest, sort of transparent. It's kind of like Allah knows anyways. But when we formulate things and put them into words and, and turn those feelings into words, into dua, into supplication, then then we end up benefiting tremendously uh, from that. And through that process, there are often things that we realize that we wouldn't have otherwise um, realized. Do you have anything that you want to share after all these different uh <laughs> Clearly what you mentioned has resonated, I think, with <laughs> with all of us in a variety of ways. Do you have any follow-up thoughts that you want to share? Um, I really, like, I, I didn't know what I was looking for when I asked that question. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, but, sorry, lots of thoughts. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I appreciate kind of like the prescription you gave of the three things that are possible. Mm-hmm. Like, feeling with, like, these, these different ways to kind of navigate that to clear the fog. Really appreciate what you said, brother. Um, I found that really helpful, too. And um, thank you, Sister Pearl, as well. I think it's just a difficult situation, and remembering to come back to basics is a mm-hmm. really good place to start. Mm-hmm. Whatever that might look like for you. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think what, what you mentioned there is also really important, whatever that may look like for you. It's different for different people, right? For some people, they're, they may have a really strong inclination towards, okay, I want to reconnect with prayer or maybe pray more, for example, right? For someone else, it may be like their niche, maybe giving sadaqah, giving charity. You know, when I do that, I seem to get more of a sense of clarity. For someone else it could be Qur'an, for someone else it could... There's so many different things, so I think that's really important to go back to the basics, to do something you know, small and simple, and for it to be in connection with whatever 
whatever your heart prefers, right? There's no right or wrong answer to just kind of listen to your heart and to reflect on, okay, what is that? And to kind of, to follow that. There, There's no, it doesn't have to be, you know, a, a, a specific lane, so to speak. It could be a variety of different things. Someone may come up with a creative idea that no one else has ever thought of before as a way of giving back to the Muslim community, to, to humanity, whatever it may be. Through that creativity, through um, like whatever is within that person's heart, whatever is within their soul, you know, there's something there. That's like a gift that Allah has given them. Like I have a friend, he ha- has an amazing heart. As much as he tries to memorize Quran, he just can't. It's just hard for him. But he's extremely generous, right? So for him, for example, his niche would be. To, to lean into that more because Allah has given him that gift. So how can I cultivate that more, right? For for when it when it comes to Quran, okay, he'll he'll try his best to work on that and go very slowly. That's totally fine. Um, but through self awareness, he's aware that you know my path, I guess, is uh, a little bit different, and that's fine, right? That's how many homeless people are going to benefit from him having that niche. How many other people are going to end up with clothing? Because of that niche that they that they have, and everyone is different, right? It doesn't have to be one thing or another. No worries. Let me go ahead and uh, read a little bit more uh, before we conclude, inshallah. Uh, I know Aisha is at ten fifteen. The plan isn't to go right up until that point. Right now, it's uh, like nine fifty something. Um, we can. Okay, if if, if it's mom, you might want to. Step outside and <laughs> call her back. You know, it's good for the heart. Okay, so I can aim to, to finish this page and then maybe the top of the next page and we can uh, bookmark it there. So the next subsection says, how do we change? This is on page four. Any resolution or project for change must include the reform of the heart or else it is doomed to fail. The Prophet ﷺ connected our external well-being to our internal one in this hadith, and we understand that there can be no external reform without an internal one. In fact, the internal reform is the basis of any external change. The Prophet said, ﷺ, I didn't realize that I was going to be here, taqwa is here, pointing to his chest. This means that taqwa begins and resides in the heart, and it flows from there to the rest of the body. And it is the heart that is the arena where the most significant change takes place. The Prophet ﷺ said, Allah does not look at your bodies and images, but looks to your hearts. And he pointed his fingers to his chest. As the spot which Allah cares about the most, we have to pay great, greatest attention to our hearts. We typically engage in various acts of worship in an effort to become better Muslims. And this is very important in any plan we embrace for spiritual and religious improvement. At the same time, we may neglect to include the treatments of our hearts in this plan. We fail to work on them as we are working on our bodies, and we forget that they need nourishment and attention as well. The result is a disconnect between our hearts and bodies, resulting in our inability to taste the sweetness of the worship we engage in. We then end up with habitual acts and lifeless routines. I'll conclude with this part. The Prophet said, A man would finish his prayer and only one-tenth of his prayer is written for him. One-ninth, one-eighth, one-seventh, one-sixth, 
one-fifth, one-quarter, one-third, one-half. Okay, let me finish the page. Uh, we focus on the whole and perfect it because others are watching us. We focus on the whole because we erroneously believe that performing acts of worship is solely their physical performance. We may even develop an obsession with minutia while ignoring the more fundamental worship of the heart. If we remember this, it becomes easy then to understand the following saying from the companion Abu Darda radiallahu an. Seek Allah's protection from hypocritical reverence. He was asked, what is hypocritical reverence? He replied, it is for you to see a reverent body while the heart is not. SubhanAllah, that's, that's heavy. Any, any thoughts on uh, what we just read, what we covered over, what is that, like two pages? About two pages. Any thoughts, any Comments, reflections from anyone? The importance of the external being connected with the internal. Now, again, this is a constant uh, project, basically. Uh, but we try our best and to be mindful that, okay, yes, there's the time and the place for external things, for sure. But the idea is to try uh, to, to couple that with uh, internal presence as best we can. And when, when just because like if we read that hadith like oh man the prophet is talking about some people they walk away with one tenth of their prayer or one ninth or one it's like man I probably have like 0.1 percent and like what's the point of even trying and a lot of it has to do with what is what is the intention like before the prayer if someone if they know that okay I am consciously going to choose to approach this prayer and zoom through zoom through it super quickly or whatever then if a person is approaching it in that way consciously by choice from the beginning, then you get out of it what you put into it essentially. No one is saying for dhuhr to go and become like ten and a half hours, but if it is going to be, say five minutes, five, six minutes, whatever, then let it, the, the idea is to, to try to intend to be present naturally, the mind wanders, to be present as best we can during those five or six minutes, for example. That let's just try to give this time for Allah, try our best. And none of us are going to walk away afterwards like, oh man, I th that prayer was 10 out of 10. It's like, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. But, you know, can I try, aside from numbers, can I try my best to say what I need to say in this prayer? That's a good place to start. Can I say what I need to say as opposed to where it's like super quick? But can I just simply... Even if I don't understand what I'm saying, can I just say what I need to say? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yamadeen. By doing that, by just, you know, slowing things down a little bit, if it was, you know, super fast, then through that a person will uh, gain more mindfulness from their prayer and they'll gain more more benefit uh, as well, inshallah. Just like I just wanted to... <laughs> To comment on that briefly, because sometimes we come across these hadith and it's like, oh man, I'm like, whatever the worst category is, let me just, you know, take my seat there and everyone else is probably waving. That's not the point. The point is like, okay, am I going to try regarding my prayer or not, right? That's really what it, what it boils down to. And if a person even cares about the quality of their prayer, that's a good sign within itself, inshallah. Does anyone have any any thoughts or, or comments on anything? So one and then two? I, I don't... 
I was Go just ahead. Gonna, I was just going to really quickly comment on the, this line that you said is so powerful. We may even uh, develop an obsession for the minutia while ignoring the more fundamental worship of the heart. And intentions is like the easiest thing to do, but it's the most like critical. It mm-hmm. like affects everything, you know. And it's like one of the hardest things to do. Ironically, mm-hmm. it's literally a thought. It's you don't have to sit there and make do it for five minutes. It's a thought. It's like a half a second thought. But well, it changes everything. But it's mm-hmm. the hardest thing to do. It has to be genuine, yeah. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. amazing. I was kind of, I love the text. I was like, I mean, it's extremely important, yeah. right? It, like you said, it, it's it's ironic that it can be the yeah. easiest or the simplest thing, but also the hardest thing yeah. to, to wrestle with. Uh, and there's a lot that can be said in connection with that, but it's it's uh, a really important concept. Any thoughts, anyone else? Yes, thank you. Yeah, just like I was thinking about like what we had read and then also like the initial question that was asked about like basically like knowing your direction, like how do you know when what is meant for you after making istikhara, like and after praying. And I feel like the biggest thing, like especially after reading what we read is like turning your prayer into something that's more selfless. Because I feel like, although we say it that you know we're praying to you know worship Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, but sometimes we find that we only pray, and may Allah help us, but we only pray to gain that one thing that we're looking for. For example, istikhara, right? Like mm-hmm. we go into that saying, well, I want this one thing, and I'm looking to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to help me. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I think I'm just gonna read off of what I said. But I was basically saying like knowing how to navigate. And also how we're always told that like da'a can change your qadr. So we find ourselves like fixated on making da'a for something because we're like, no, like even though all the signs are there, da'a can change my qadr. So I'm mm-hmm. going to continue making that da'a and you never know kind of when to draw the line. And I feel like when Allah SWT sends these signs, it's so important to actually look at them rather than just being like, no. Because if I make da'a for it, it's going to happen because I can change your qadr. Or your cousin, and I feel like the biggest thing is like at least for me that kind of helped because I know like everyone makes big decisions in life and you don't really know where it's gonna take you. And I feel like the biggest thing you do is like asking Allah Subhanahu to guide you, but then have conviction in that guidance rather than being like this is something that I want, so I'm gonna stick to that. And I feel like the biggest thing that could like eliminate your disappointment is having that political, but also it sounds kind of wrong but to not have an attachment to your goal right because like i feel like the biggest thing people say is like never say never mm-hmm. and we're always told like no like if you want something you strive for it and you don't take no for an answer but i found that like that kind of did more negative for me than positive mm-hmm. and i feel like when you detach yourself from like I, and again it's might, might not be the best thing to say but when you stop saying oh what does my heart want like what does my mind want like at the end of the day, like, and it is true, like, Allah SWT wants better for you than what you want for yourself. So it's like, mm-hmm. if we're stuck on, like, well, no, like, and, I, and I've, I've not given that advice. Like, no, just make da, like, you know, it'll, it can, you never know, it can change, and that's true. But again, it's the attachment and the fixation on what it is that you want, and it kind of blinds you from all the other possibilities. And then once you kind of detach yourself and you turn your salah into, like, for Allah SWT, meaning, like exactly how you said, like making istighfar, salawat, la ilaha illallah, like 
turning it to that, making it not about yourself, mm-hmm. then also it takes care of your affairs, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're looked after without even having to ask for it because he knows like what's in our hearts without us having to go and make a like distinction of like, no, this prayer is going to be because I want to get into Yale or Brown, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like once you stop doing things that way and you just realize that truly we don't have any control even though we are told, you know, like, Again, and there's so much power in du'a. I will never take that away. But it's like the du'a should be in a way where it's not necessarily for you. Because we're put here to worship our Lord, not to necessarily want things just for ourselves in a certain way. So I just feel like, yeah. No, thank you for sharing. That, that process of stepping outside of yourself, right? And zooming out, kind of, you know, let me take a step back and... Like, how is my relationship with Allah and tying with intentions? Like, how sincere was that istikhara, for example? Right? Istikhara ultimately boils down to your intention. If someone has a sincere intention where they don't have their mind made up that no matter what happens after this istikhara, I'm going for that anyways, then what's the point of praying istikhara? Right? The, a person may have an inclination, and that's human nature, that's totally fine, but to also have the understanding that I'm also willing to let some of this go to Allah because I understand that as much as I may want whatever that thing is, like you said, Allah knows best. And Allah wants for me better than than what I think I want for myself. We've all it's hard, but we've all been there where you really want something, whatever it is, some time passes, maybe Allah doesn't give it to you, Allah gives you something else, right? Or leads you in a different direction. And then later on, it's kind of like, oh, wow, now I can see like a thousand different blessings in connection with this alternative route, this what I thought initially was a detour. But then Allah showed me the wisdom behind that. And then later on, you look back and you say, I, alhamdulillah, like I, I didn't make that choice, right, to go in this direction. I really wanted to go in a different direction, but, you know, Allah guided me in this direction and now I can see more of why that is and some of the wisdom and, and benefit in connection with that. Uh, so what what you're saying I think is, is really, really important um, and beneficial. Is there anything else that you wanted to share before we wrap things up? Okay, Does anyone else have anything? I know Adhan is going now in prayers in about 10 minutes. Does anyone have any final remarks or uh Conclusions, concluding thoughts. Okay, if not, that's fine. We ask Allah to accept our efforts. We ask Allah for clean hearts and for clean souls. We ask Allah to make us from among those who meet Him with sound hearts on that day. And we ask Allah for purification of our hearts, purification of our souls. We ask Allah to make us from among the successful in that regard. Amin Rabbil Alameen. ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا آتنا من لدنك رحمة وهي لنا من أمرنا رشدا We ask Allah for His mercy, for His guidance We ask Allah to help us through any and all of our affairs If we have any cloudiness, Ya Allah, regarding anything in our hearts We ask You to remove that fog, to remove that cloudiness And to grant us clarity And to grant us what is best for us in this life And especially the next And what is most pleasing to You, Amir Rabbil Alameen And to make us content with Your decision, whatever that may be Jazakallah khair. I hope to see you guys next week, inshallah. Thank you for coming out. Jazakallah khair.